Amen. Good morning, church. You know, let's uh, let's take out our Bibles. We're going to get right into the Word. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 4 today. Matthew 4. <coughs> Matthew 4. Man, you can just be there first. <laughs> Alright, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for today. Just thank you for your wonderful presence in this place. Father, we pray that even as we go into your Word, God, you speak to each and every one of us individually. Speak into our hearts. Touch our hearts. Change our life. Transform us. All this we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Alright, we are on a series of discipleship. And this is our third week. And today I'm going to talk about the method of discipleship. The method of discipleship. Now the word method comes from two Greek words. Meta and hodos. And meta is this. Meta is something that expresses development. Something that expresses development. And hodos is a way. So if you put two and two together, it is a way of development. Or developing a way. And when you put these two words together, it becomes the word methodos, which is the pursuit of knowledge. So it's the pursuit of knowledge. It is a development. It is a way of going forward. So discipleship, a method of discipleship, it's not a process. It's not just a system. It's not a syllabus that us as Harvest Generation Church, if the big, you know, the, the big, the big words out in our foyer, disciple to make disciples. It's not just something that we are creating. It's not a process. It's not a step one, step two, step three. Or, you know, as you graduate, you know, you become someone, you, then you become, you become a disciple, you, you, you get a cert, you become a discipler, you get, you know, a medal. No, not, nothing like that. <clears throat> it's not a system. Discipleship is as much as a journey. Discipleship, it's organic. It is not going to be a cause for you to finish. It's not going to be a cause for you to finish. And today, you know what, I'm going to go through my points. Uh, it's not going to be like, oh, you know, if you want to be a disciple, then it's like this. If you want to be a discipler, it's like this. For me, I believe that the points that we're going to go through, it works both ways. Whether you're a discipler or you're looking, someone who is looking to be discipled, if you don't get this right, you won't understand discipleship. Because you have to get this right first before you can disciple someone else. Alright? So let's dive into the Word. And the best place to start is with Jesus. And Jesus in Matthew 4 verse 19, uh, 18 to 20, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20. Okay, we're all going to read together. It's on the screen. Ready? One, two, go. Alright, this is an account of Jesus calling the disciples for the very first time. He was walking and suddenly he just saw them. And the first words that he says was, follow me. Follow me. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me 
just as I also imitate Christ. Philippians 3 verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have for us a pattern. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, we have heard these words plenty of time. Have you really thought about this? If someone, a pastor, John Chiam, comes up on stage and say, you want to live a life that is right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't you think that statement is, who you think this chiku is on stage? Follow, imitate him so that he can imitate Christ. God is personal, ma. He wants to have a relationship with us, right? Why I need to follow this fellow on stage? How do I know what his teaching is correct? Don't God talk to each and every one of us? So why then would the one who wrote a whole bulk of the New Testament, Paul, comes in with this really supposedly prideful statement and said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So when I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know God, why must there be someone before we come to you? It really doesn't make sense, right? It, it's, it's almost as if it goes against the grain of Christianity. Because Christianity is really God's personal relationship with you. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, when I was young, um, as any good uh, Christian uh, family, my parents sent me to piano classes. <laughs> and uh, not, not to say I don't like piano, I love piano up to a certain point. <laughs> because after a while, you started to play uh, how many of you have taken piano courses or something, uh, music, or taken an exam? So you will know that every year there are certain exam pieces. And every year, once the exam finishes, you start on the next piece for one whole year. And you'll be playing the ding, 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 the same thing all over again. So for me, it's like, I don't get it. Like, after a while, right, you get bored of it. And sometimes this, it's not like, in music, you know, it's not like pop, it's not like jazz, it's classical music. And it takes a certain form of atas appreciation to appreciate this kind of noise. And imagine 365 days a year, you're playing ding 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 dang dang dang, the same classical notes. But mind you, this noise that I call was composed by a great composer many, many hundred years ago. Take Beethoven, for example. He wrote tons of beautiful, beautiful music. So it takes, while he lived then, maybe for him, there was an apprentice. There was someone who learned from him and they watch him play and they watch him labor over every single note, over every single melody. They watched his dedication as he came up with this music and this apprentice day by day, after a while, he became 
that master. And for him came another apprentice. So someone who learned under this person. So maybe for me, if I'm learning from this second guy, for me it's like, wow, I just see the notes. Okay, I just play the notes. But for this guy who have lived and, and toiled and suffered together with Beethoven, he has known every single feeling, every single note, every emotion that comes out from the music score. So when he plays the notes and when he plays the entire piece, it's not just tauge on a piece of paper. It is a masterpiece. It is something which for him as an apprentice, he knows and he has seen what the composer has gone through. And you know sometimes when you see, you know, our musicians play, they don't just play like that. They move. There's a groove. They flow and sometimes when the Holy Spirit hits, their head also, oh. And then you know the anointing of God is here. So for me, as the person here, and I'm looking at him, and this guy is like playing with the feeling. So for me, moving from this, I start to move as well. And as he, ooh, and you're like, Holy Spirit, come. So it's like, you understand not just the notes on the paper. Why imitate me as I imitate Christ? Because the apprentice is, has lived through the reality that the composer has gone through. Because the composer has written the score. The apprentice has seen what the composer has gone through and written. For me, I don't have... That, that honour of looking at the composer, but I have the honour of seeing the reality of the composer come through the life of the apprentice. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We do this is because we see the reality of God in the person that is discipling us in the person that we are going to disciple so that we can point others to the great composer, which is Jesus Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. How do we come to a point and know that imitate me, that it's not going to be just about me? The music score is not written by the apprentice. It's by the composer. The word of God is not by your disciple. That is the test. That is the standard. The principles don't change. The notes don't change. But the expression might change. How many of you have heard classical music being played as dubstep or rock and roll? It's an abomination to some. But it's an expression of art to some people. Expressions will change. And get this church. Jesus came to earth to be the way, the truth, and the life. He came to show the way. He came to be that reality so that when we look at the Bible, it's not just words on paper. It's a reality that has been lived 
and suffered through. Miracles that have been lived and gone through. There is that substance there. So when Jesus called out to the disciples and said, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Ultimately, the end of discipleship is the same. To be more like Jesus. If that is the standard that we are measured upon, we are measured upon, then what we do in our discipleship is not as, as important as who we are and the person that we are following, which is Jesus. It wasn't what Jesus did for them because at this point, when he said, follow me, Jesus has done nothing for them. Some theologians say, okay, maybe Jesus was a very famous teacher. So be it. But he had nothing to do with these guys. Imagine you're on the boat or you're at work and suddenly this guy, 30 years old, comes up to you and says, follow me. You drop everything and follow him. At point, it doesn't make sense. As holy as the guy is, you're not going to just drop everything and follow him. He has done nothing for you. There has been nothing that Jesus has done at that point of time. So at the end of the day, it's really our lives. How we live our lives. You want discipleship to happen? Live your life right. Live your life in a way that is God-fearing. Live your life in a way where the words in the Bible comes up like a masterpiece. That people see your life. They hear the great composer playing behind. Not you. The quality of our lives determine the quality of our discipleship. You want effective discipleship? Live a good life. Live a life that fears God. Live a life with Jesus at the center. Live a life that you diminish, that you disappear, and Jesus is central and Jesus is glorified. That's how you get effective discipleship. Discipleship is turning the who. It comes from the who turning into the what. A lot of times when we talk about discipleship, we're asking, so what do we do in discipleship? Is there a book? Is there something? No, you start with your life. You want to disciple someone? Start with you. You want to be discipled? Start with you. Start with your life. Philippians 4 verse 9 from the NLT. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you have heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let's carry on. Matthew 4. Matthew 4, verse 19. Matthew 4, verse 19. Whew, I need a drink of water. <laughs> All right, we get ready to go? Matthew 4, verse 19. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So cute, like the small fish on top. <laughs> I will make you fishers of men. The disciples were fishermen. And when Jesus came and called them, he said, I will make you fishers of men. What a play of words. The disciples then, then, they had a change of who they were and what they did. 
And like we say this now, that was the purpose of discipleship. That we will grow in maturity to be more like Jesus. You see, this was not just a change of title, a change of a job, or a change of a career. The trajectory of the lives of the disciples was changed from the moment they committed to discipleship. In the three years plus that they had with Jesus, as disciples, their worldview was completely changed. Their values and their belief were challenged. It wasn't an easy ride with Jesus, you know. Jesus had a, a, a kingdom view of things which was so different from what the, 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 the Pharisees had at that point in time. The Pharisees were the holy people then. It was such a different viewpoint of the world. Change is not behavior modification. Change is real spiritual transformation. If you want to change a behavior, but you don't change the heart, the behavior doesn't last. If you want to change the behavior, you don't change the heart, the behavior doesn't, doesn't last. The heart is always the true measure. The heart is always the true measure. Proverbs 27 verse 19, As in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. The aim of discipleship is not behavior modification. It is a heart change that aims to effect a major inner life change based on the Word of God. Based on the Word of God. Change heart changes heart. You want to effect change? You want your life to have an influence? Change your heart. Your changed life will inspire changes in other people. You want to talk about discipleship? Don't focus on your behaviours. Focus on the true thing, your heart. Because if you get this right, all the behaviours or your attitude will all fall into place. It is a heart matter. So in discipleship, don't look for things which addresses the symptoms but not the root of it. So two ways to have a heart change. Number one, principles over technique and solutions. Solutions are situational and temporal. Principles are unchanging. Principles are unchanging. You know, a lot of time, as a pastor, as a leader, sometimes come, people come to me and they have a lot of questions. And they always scold me. They say, I come to you with questions, but you ask me more questions. You can hear all them laugh, right? Because that's what I do to them. They ask me questions, I ask them harder questions. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to come to me for solutions. I can give you solutions. It's very easy for me to tell you solutions. I can give you practical advice. I, it's very easy for me to give you practical advice. But you want a spiritual change and not a behavior change? Learn the principles. Your solutions will only be temporal. Practical advice will only be practical for that solution, that point of time, and that season. If I need to tell you in every season and every situation, come to me and I will tell you the solution, then you don't come to me. As a church, we should all come together we all create a database, ask the AI, 
What should I do in this situation? Chat GPT will give you the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Serious. Why do we need leaders? Why do we need a pastor? We come out with a frequently asked question. These are the common issues that people always face. Go and read this. It will change your life. Amen. It's true. Right? If you're looking for solutions, don't look for a discipler that will just give you solutions. You want to change your life. Look for the principles that will change you. Look for someone who has embodied those principles. Look for someone who has lived those principles, who's willing to tell you, hey, I can tell you the solution, but I want you to come to a place of maturity that you understand that no matter what situation comes in the future, you hold on to that principle, you're going to find the solution. I'm giving you the tool so that you can handle your life, so that you can build your life, shape your life in a way that will glorify God, in a way that will fear God in the future. Principles over techniques and solution. The second way to have a heart change is this. And this I learned from a very wise woman in my CG. She said this, openness versus vulnerability. Openness versus vulnerability. Vulnerability comes from the Latin word vulnus, which means to wound. To be open is to share your words and action. To be vulnerable is to share the truth and meaning behind your words and action. You can be open, but you might not be vulnerable. As someone who wants to disciple or wants to be discipled, you need to be vulnerable. You can be open. I can tell you the things that are going on in my life. But if I just want to tell you the things that are going on in my life, I'm no, not looking for discipleship. I'm looking for a support group. If all that I'm doing is I just want someone to listen and give me emotional support, you're not looking for discipleship, you're looking for counselling. It's very, very different. I don't mind sharing, but I don't need your correction. It means you're open, but you're not vulnerable. I want your help, but I only see it as an option or you're just a sounding board. You're open, but not vulnerable. Discipleship needs you to be vulnerable. And it goes both ways. It's not just the disciple. How many times do you think Jesus was wounded by the disciples in the three years before the cross? The fellows were fighting over who gets to sit next to him. Hello? And then it was like, oh, you know, we are going to feed the 5,000. It's like, huh, enough money? Ah? Huh, how to do? Ah? It's like, have you not followed me long enough? You still don't believe in me. What is wrong with you? Wake up. You think it was easy for Jesus? It wasn't one guy, you know, it was 12 kids running around. Essentially, that was it. They were open, but they were not vulnerable. You want discipleship to happen both ways. Don't just be open, you need to be vulnerable. 
You need to be able to come to a place where you can take the, the correction and you can also give the correction. Giving correction is not easy. Taking correction is not easy. Psalms 51 verse 6 to 7, but you desire honesty from the wound, teaching me wisdom even there. Verse 7, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. When you be open, when there is honesty, there is that cleansing, there is that washing. Change heart, changes heart. This call of discipleship upon our church, it's not going to be a syllabus that will propel us forward. It's not going to be once everybody have a disciple, then we are set for life. No. I think Pastor shared two weeks ago, if everybody have a disciple, we are not even in the race. We are just at the starting line. The whole journey of life, it's what's going to take discipleship. Guys, we are not even at the start, you know. We are just, you know, wearing the shoe <laughs> or finding our shoes. Matthew 4, verse 19 to 20, and once again, verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Immediately left their nets and followed him. My last point is this. Train, but don't try. Train, but don't try. We don't try to be disciples, we train to be disciples. There's a difference between trying and training. If I try to play badminton, means maybe off and on I'll come and play badminton. Off and on I'll make the effort, I'll go and play. If I train, that's a whole different word altogether. If I train to learn to play badminton, means it's okay. I'll go and buy the shoe, I'll get a good racket. Not just that, I'll learn, you know. Oh, the racket has different tension. How much is the tension? What does a professional use? What's that someone who is the opposite of an a professional like me use? You know, there are different kinds of shuttlecock. Do you know that now there is a way of serving where you roll the shuttlecock? Don't know, right? If you try to play badminton, you won't care about this. It's casual playing. But if you train, if you train, you put your mind, you put your actions into what you're trying to do. You are going to be setting in and putting in the work. You'll be asking someone, hey, can you train me? Teach me how to play. Teach me how to build stamina. Teach me how to hit the shuttlecock. Teach me how to hold a racket. Teach me the difference between a 32 tension string and a 24 tension string. What does a thicker string, 66mm, compared to a 52mm difference? Don't know, right? Train, don't try. To try is to attempt to do the right thing by exerting effort in that moment. To train is to commit to developing strategic habits that equip you to do the right thing in the moment. It's very, very different. To try is fleeting. In the moment, oh, okay, try lah. The moment pass, 
Try lah. The lah missing already. <laughs> but when you train, you are specifically developing habits to stick one step. The next step. Right now, I cannot play badminton. My knees are the knees of an 80-year-old. Probably some 80-year-olds have better knees than me. But no, I got to start by building my stamina. I got to start by maybe getting a better shoe. I got to start, you know, by learning how to play. And that's how you put one foot in front of the next. If you're just casually thinking about discipleship, it's never going to happen. In that moment, yes, maybe you have lots of thoughts, but it's never going to happen. Stop trying and start training. It is a very, very simple change. Training makes you better at something than you already are. Don't try. Don't train. Don't try. Train. In discipleship, there is sometimes that overemphasis of how the relationship and the chemistry between a disciple and a disciple needs to be. But if you think of the Bible, right, what chemistry or what relationship did Jesus have with these disciples? How much did the disciples know Jesus? But now sometimes when we're looking for someone to speak into our life, we feel as if we are looking for something more than a spouse that can speak into our life. It's like I need to know whether my personality can suit the personality. I need to know whether the way the person communicates can communicate to me. Whether the person's score, I can take it or not. You know what's the one criteria that you need to look for? Jesus went to the cross for his disciples. Look for someone who's willing to go to the cross for your life. You want someone to disciple you? You want someone who's for you? Look for someone who's willing to lay down their life and say that, hey, mountaintop, valley low, hell or high water, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be praying for you. You suffer, I suffer together with you. You rejoice, I celebrate with you. I will throw the party. You cry, I will bring the tissues. Not enough, I bring the toilet roll. That's it. Don't come to a place where we overemphasize. Okay, I'm not saying that all these things is not important, yes. But you have to understand, right? At that point of time, Jesus and the disciples, they really had no communication whatsoever. As far as we have read from the Bible. So what if the disciples, you know, what if John comes up to Jesus? You know, Jesus, I don't think this is working out. You know, when you said that, you know, you would disciple me and you follow me, I didn't expect you to be this tough on me. Relationship, chemistry, communication. I believe all these things, if you commit to it, it can be built over time. And guys, 
as much as you think it's important, right? Let me tell you from my perspective. Even when I got into a relationship with her, <laughs> well, <laughs> that was... Man, the Holy Spirit just went out for a break and came back. <laughs> when I got into a relationship with Wen Chi, when I got into a relationship with her, for me, it was... It was uh, you have to understand, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not someone who can will easily open up or easily share. So when I was starting to get into a relationship with her, she, she one day came to me and said, you know, you really need to open up. You need to share with me like the burdens that you are, you are holding. And I was like, you, you have to bear with me. Like, for me, it's not easy to share and not easy to open up. But you see, even in a relationship, right, it took me an intentional intentional part, an intentional commitment to open my heart to her. What more in the discipleship? You think just because you can jive, you can be vulnerable to each other, man? You go and talk to every single husband and wife. Lah. Just go and talk to them. Don't think that just because That relationship and that, that 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 openness will bring you somewhere. It's not. At the end of the day, discipleship is a commitment. People change one, ma. Seasons will change one. Personality sometimes will change one. The way you talk when you were in uni and the way you talk when you graduate, a bit different one. You give it 10 more years, the way you talk also different. So it's not like don't look for things like this. But when you look at things like, is the person living a life that really walks and talks what is written in the Bible? That when you see that person, you don't see that person. You see Jesus Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. When you see that person, you see his heart, her heart, you see a heart that holds on to principles. That person has a stand. You see a person who's not just fleeting, but is committed, committed to say, I'm going to walk the journey with you. And that is what discipleship is all about. Jesus came to earth to model that for us. If the whole point of discipleship is to come to a place so that we can be mature to be more like Jesus if that is the end goal the end of it is for us to lay down our lives for others if you came for heart and soul you have seen that progression a new believer a believer someone who is disciple that someone who's a disciple we put there to live not for myself because the moment you get into discipleship you know that is the path forward already that all you have at the, at, in, in front of you 
is the cross. What Jesus has modeled for each and every one of us. So church, I pray that even as we as we all uh, as we go through this series, really, I pray that you will really think about your life. Not just about who's going to disciple you and this and that, but really, really think about your own life. Are you sure you want to walk the path that Jesus walked? Because if you're ready, I can guarantee you God is going to open doors. God is going to bring someone into your life. Are you ready to really walk in those steps to come to a place that one day you can stand and say, you know, my life is not my own. I will die and I will live. I will lay down my life for you. Put my head on the chopping block for you. Come, let's all stand, church. Thank you, Jesus. spend some time just let God speak to you thank you Jesus let's we worship come on church let's worship God
God is speaking this to you. That for far too long there have been burdens and there have been things that you have been carrying and you believe that if you have told someone of, or it will come to light that that will be the end of you, that that will be the end of your reputation. It will be something as either you are struggling with or something that you cannot let go of. And I believe that God is saying today that He wants to give you that freedom. He wants you to find that release. He said, it's today, it's now, it's time to let go. It's time to drag whatever that is hidden in the corner of your heart out into the light. Because when these things come out into the light, it loses its power. It loses its hold on you. Of God, the glory of God would illuminate your heart and your life. So I'm not going to do an altar call. You know who you are. It could either be a heaviness to share. You think that by sharing your problems or sharing your worries, you're burdening someone. Church, we are one family. You suffer, we suffer together with you. Rejoice, we celebrate with you. It's not a solo journey. So Father, today I pray for every single person who's weighed down, who's hurt, who's struggling to be vulnerable, who's struggling to just even open their mouth. Father, right now, I pray that let there be a bonus. I pray that let there be a courage. I pray that Holy Spirit, you will soften their hearts. I pray that God, that today they will find a release in you. God, I pray you will bring them people into their lives who will speak right through these strongholds, who will speak right through these worries of God. Father, I pray your presence will continue to envelop them. Whatever worry, whatever pain, your presence will cut right straight into your hearts. So Father, today I just speak peace. Father, today I speak that let there be such a stirring within our hearts that say, God, you know that this journey is not just about me, but this journey is about walking with one another. So we pray that God, even either we are discipling someone or we are going to be disciples, we pray that God, let there be such a life in this church that God will come to a place that God, as we are close and knitted together, that no attack of the devil can break the unity of the bonds that have been created in this church, oh God. So Father, I pray as life encourages life, as iron sharpens iron, as we build one another up, as we lift one another up, we pray that there will always be a spirit of uplifting in this place. There will always be hands that will be willing to hold out to one another, to help one another, to lead one another. We pray that God, these discipleship relationships will be one that is rooted in you, that is centered on you, that has the focus of walking towards the cross of God. And we pray every single life here will come to a maturity, will come to a place that God, we can give you praise. That God, we can give you glory, oh God. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
getting something and I believe it's not just you know what our church is doing it's really what God wants to do in your life not just now but here and beyond Amen Amen let's declare the benediction love of our Father the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit continue to be with us envelop us continue to chart our days ahead for us oh God so Father we pray we thank you and God we pray that whatever message whatever point 